Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. Good evening and welcome to the Ex-Mormon Files here in the heart of Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I'm pleased that you'd spend some of your evening with us tonight. And I'm also happy to welcome Wayne Johnson. Appreciate you coming and sharing your story with us tonight. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it's a blessing now to I, be able to speak for only Savior Jesus Christ. Well, and thanks for coming. And you, uh, you actually were born in the East, is that right? I was born uh, back East in uh, Queensland Island, New York. Wow. So tell us a little bit about your background. Your mom and dad were they? You were they were were they Christian? My uh, mother and father were Bible readers, but they were not uh, active Christian people. They didn't go yeah. to church an awful lot, uh, but they were very uh, good people. Yeah, uh, they taught their children properly, I believe. And uh, yeah. I grew up on a small farm, so I was a <laughs> just a, a hard worker. I'll bet hard working work. uh, farm boy. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, but no particular religion or anything until no until later in no life, particular huh? religion okay. at all. No. Then after high school, I guess you uh, you were telling me that you joined the, the Air Force. Right out of high school, I went uh, directly into the Air Force. Uh, wow! Uh, and I uh, spent a couple years overseas, and then I came to Utah and was stationed at Hill Air Force Base in oh, 1967. Yeah. Wow! And how? Uh, was that a cultural shock to come to Utah? <laughs> well, uh, when I was over in the Philippines, I received a uh, brochure that said uh, the title of it was This is the Different World of Utah. So uh, I read through that and got a little bit of uh, an idea about what Utah was like, but uh, yeah. nowhere near the shock that <laughs> when you finally I got, got here. When I finally got here, realized. Uh, the uh, brochure left quite a bit out. <laughs> a few things, probably. But you met your wife at Hill Air Force Base, or your while I was stationed at Hill Air Force Base, uh, I met my wife uh, at a base dance. Yeah. And uh, we uh, dated for uh, just over a year. Yeah. And uh, now she, she introduced me to Mormonism. She was LDS and, uh, then, huh? I took the uh, discussions and was baptized and. Uh, Immediately thereafter, I, I went to Korea. Wow. Uh, this was uh, in 1968 when they had the Pueblo crisis. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was a newly baptized member of the Mormon Church yeah. over in Korea, uh, where I uh, was introduced to a, uh, an active group of, of LDS servicemen there. And uh, we worked with the uh, local people yeah. outside the base that were, that were members of and the church and stuff. Uh, some were members uh, oh. most were not yeah uh, but we we sort of worked as uh, quasi uh, missionaries yeah just going out and and uh, being kind and yeah and meeting with the people what did when you joined the church what did you think of the message that you were hearing well, uh, not you having can any... think back that far to, to the yeah, conversion. It's, it's been a long ways back. Uh, not having a, 
uh, real uh, the basis of religion in my life. Why, yeah. you know, they could have told me anything, and I would have probably said, "Yeah, that that sounds logical." Yeah, uh, and a lot of it did sound logical. Uh, I had some questions, but I was satisfied with the answers that they gave me. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm sure your fiance or wife was very encouraging. Was well, she, she certainly was. Uh, she made it very uh, plain to me that uh, we would not be married unless we were married in the temple. So, oh, a uh, little pressure there then. When <laughs> when the time came that I realized that uh, I was in love with her and I wanted to be with her, then obviously that was the uh, choice that I had to make. Yeah, and it's you chose, simple to as that. chose to be baptized. So I made that later, choice. A year later yeah. you get married in the temple. Approximately a year later uh, I, came, I came back from uh, Korea, uh, got discharged uh, from the Air Force uh, in uh, October and uh, stayed in Utah, uh, yeah. and we were married in the uh, Salt Lake Temple wow. uh, in November of 1968. What, what's your recollection of that experience? Uh, <laughs> just a blur. Was it? Yeah. Just a blur. Yeah. Uh, just trying to comprehend everything that's being said and going on. Yeah. Uh, did you go back very often to the temple? And uh, initially, I uh, I didn't. We didn't. We were we were real busy raising kids. Uh, yeah. My wife got uh, pregnant right away, yeah. and uh, and we just started raising the family. Hmm. Uh, so. But both act you were active in the church though, and we were active. Uh, I was uh, an eldest quorum instructor for a while. Yeah. Uh, a deacon's quorum advisor for a while. Uh, I was a ward clerk for a while, and I was a district missionary back in Pennsylvania for a while. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> I was a stake missionary here in the in the Brigham City area for uh, just over two years. Wow! Uh, and I was a uh, high priest group leader. My goodness! Uh, up there in uh, in Brigham City. Was there ever any doubt in your mind that the church was true? I, I gather that even though you rushed, or not rushed into becoming a member, but you probably didn't know everything about the church at that point, but, and you learned more later, but as, did you have a as testimony? As the years went on, I was able to learn more and more. Sure. And whenever something came up that just didn't jive to me, uh, I just shrugged it off <laughs> and said, apparently, I don't need to know that. <laughs> or you'll or understand. I'll later. learn that later on, yeah. or uh, sooner or later I'll get an answer to that question. So it goes up on the shelf, as they say, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anything specific at this point that you ever questioned or wondered about? Oh, gee, as as time goes on, I, I read the Book of Mormon and I wonder about things. Uh, <laughs> there's a place in the Book of Mormon where. Uh, the Jaredites come over to America, and uh, I'll try to the best I can to remember this, but uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a place in there where they're talking about the, uh, the northern part of the country is, is fully uh, inhabited, 
and uh, with with these Jaredites, you mean? Uh, or? They say that the, the southern part of the land was uh, was where they were living, and the northern part was fully inhabited. Mm. Well, you think about that, uh, Earl, and uh, back then we're talking about the Jaredites who were separated at the uh, Tower of Babel. That's right. And uh, how could the northern countries be fully inhabited when there were no people? The only people that existed were those around the Tower well, of Babel. Oh, that's a good so point. So where did those people come from? They couldn't have been there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good qu I never thought about that for well, that particular things like way. that uh, kind of would come into my mind and I'd wonder about those and I'd I'd mention it to somebody and they'd just shrug it off just like I did and, yeah uh, just went along faithfully huh just went along faithfully yeah. uh, sounds like you were also a missionary at uh, different times and different places I baptized some people so uh, when I served my uh, mission service up there as a stake missionary. Yeah. Uh, I was ward mission leader. Uh, that's back before they they did away with that and they turned the missionary efforts over to the bishops. That's right. Uh, you probably so they remember weren't, that. they weren't stake missionaries anymore. So, so prior to that I was the stake missionary and ward mission leader and I, I went out and uh, wow. uh, gave discussions uh, along with the full-time missionaries and baptized a few people and oh my goodness. Uh, just <laughs> Went along fat, dumb, and happy doing, doing the how, Lord's work. Yeah, how long did this last? I did. I did. I served that mission for two and a half years. And, and I served a little longer than, than yeah. most do. So you joined the church at about age 20. Um, I was 20 years old when I joined, joined the church. And married. And then, so how long were you an active member of the church? Well, let's see. I walked away from the church in 2010. That recent. So, uh, what is that? Oh, okay. Well, I'm That's not doing the math either. 33 years, or 43. 47 years, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, so what kind of started you thinking about the church in a different way? I started doing some research on my own uh, in early, early uh, 2010. Uh, researching a lot of information off the internet. What prompted you to do that? Were you preparing for a lesson or something? Or? Uh, I got into some discussions uh, off and on in, uh, in some of our classes and uh, I didn't particularly like the answers that I got. <laughs> so I began to, uh, to do some of my own research. Uh, I was a, uh, an instructor, a teacher, yeah. in the high priest group for a while and uh, one day, as I, as I was progressing more and reading the Bible more, I began to incorporate more of the Bible scriptures and teachings into my lessons. Yeah. And uh, I remember one Sunday I, I decided I took upon myself to teach my entire lesson out of the Bible. A, con a I, conscious decision to do that. I chose to do that. I, I set that instruct a manual aside and I prepared my lesson using the Bible. Wow, how radical. Yeah, how <laughs> radical. 
when I started uh, the lesson, I, I told the brethren, I said, the uh, lesson manual is available to you. If you want to read the lesson, you can read it at home. But we're not going to use it today. We're going to use the Bible. So I taught the entire lesson out of the Bible. And uh, I was called on the carpet for doing that. By, by the the high priest group leader or the bishop or? Both. <laughs> so, really? So uh, the bishop, uh, I, I talked to the bishop. I said, I understand you don't like the way I'm teaching the high priest group. And he says, well, you're supposed to be using the manual. And I said, well, that's correct. But aren't we also told that we're supposed to teach by the spirit? And of course, there what was only answer. one way he could answer that was, <laughs> yes, that's true. And I said, that's exactly what I'm doing. Good for you. Well, I was released from that position <laughs> shortly after that. Inspiration, but, I'm sure, huh? But I am doing my research during this time, and, uh, and, and the deeper I get, I find that uh, a, a lot of the uh, information that's available within the Mormon church itself, yeah. uh, in the ensign and so on, uh, if you really research that real closely and you read it real closely, you'll come across information that they accidentally put in there that most Mormons don't know about. Some of those things pertaining to uh, the actual receiving of the gold plates, as an example by Joseph Smith. Yeah. Uh, back when uh, Mark Hoffman uh, had his uh, fiasco with the church, uh, there was an article in the Ensign where the church was protecting or, or supporting their position on that, and they inadvertently put information in there, in that Ensign, that wasn't common knowledge. New, so, new information, so to speak, to most, new of, information most of us. New huh? certainly was new information to me, yeah. and I felt that I knew pretty much everything there was to know. Uh, so things like that came up. Uh, yeah. Polygamy came up. Polygamy became a, a big issue. Wow. My research in Joseph Smith's activities with... Kind of shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Other guys' wives and young girls and... Yeah, I didn't know he married women that were already married. I'd never heard I of that before. I had no information like that yeah. at all myself. Mm -hmm. and and marrying young girls, uh, 14, 15-year-old girls, and and uh, telling them that he was going to be killed by an angel with a sword if he didn't practice polygamy. And a little self-serving, isn't it, a little bit? <laughs> after a while, I, I my research, uh, I, I compiled a, a rather thick uh, book of information, uh, talks from different prophets that... Wow. You know, really started studying huh? things that uh, don't apply anymore and we've yeah. changed our mind we don't believe that anymore or whatever excuse yeah and then I finally decided well enough is enough and uh, I chose to uh, present all of this information to my wife as I went along I never hid anything from her well, good for you I, I wish I could I, say the same but I, I wanted to be 100% honest with her all the time and uh, why do you think the LDS um, are reluctant to to study and to learn? 
I believe it's a fear factor. Uh, I believe the, uh, the leaders of the church uh, pounded into them that they should not read or study anything outside of the yeah. uh, accepted uh, works of the church. Even, uh, even though truth should stand on its own, they're just not willing to, to even take a chance, right? Truth can be very damaging at times. Yeah. Uh, and there's an awful lot of truth hidden yeah. by the church that uh, yeah. is damaging to them. So you mentioned your wife. Now, what was her reaction to this? She's born and raised Needless in the church, Needless to say, she was not very pleased with, uh, with all of this. Uh, she really didn't want to hear any of it. Yeah. Uh, I felt sorry that I was, you know, giving all that information to her. But then on the other hand, I felt that she really had a right to know yeah. where I was coming from. Right. And, because uh, you can't deny what you've seen, right? And what you're, what you're coming it. across and what you're learning. It's Especially things that are so very, very well documented. Yeah, it's not you like know, you're making anything up. You know, uh, DNA research, uh, I got yeah. into that. Yeah. Uh, studied that out, uh, studied out the uh, Book of Abraham and the problems with the, uh, the papyrus involved with that. I uh, got in a conversation with a bishop one time, and he just flat out denied that that information even existed. Is that right? And I said, Bishop, you're behind the times. I said, the church has had those papyri pieces yeah. since 1966. Yeah. And, uh, and the Ensign Magazine came out in 1967 and, and finally published the fact that the church had that information. Yeah, it's right there in the Ensign. And, uh, and it became a, a, a rather embarrassing situation when they finally realized that that papyrus did not say anything about Abraham. Yeah, you'd think that if it proved that Joseph Smith was a prophet, that uh, it would have been something that you would hear all the time, uh, constantly. Yes, and, and when it was when it was originally uh, announced in 1967, yeah, that was the big. Well, they assumed hope. it was. Yeah, and for they sure. assumed it was. Yeah, they were very proud of that fact. Yeah. So what happens then? You eventually see your see your faith crumbling. This church that you had converted to. Well. With me, I think I think God was was very very good to me. Very very good to me, because I just sort of went just like that. There wasn't any gradual path out of Mormonism. It went bam. You, you once I'm, your eyes were I'm open. I'm done. Yeah. And uh, when my wife realized that, she told me you realize you're losing your family, you're losing your eternal reward, and on and on. And I just looked at her and I said, I'm sorry, but I cannot live a lie. Good for you. Uh, it's like being a hypocrite, right? It's you like can't being believe, a hypocrite. You can't believe one thing and, and live another. Yeah. It, would be, it would be impossible for me to do that, and I knew that, and I couldn't do it. Good for you. Uh, my wife died. Uh, oh that very same year. Uh, she died in uh, December of uh, 2010, uh, which, you know, really made me feel bad because she died right in the middle of this turmoil in her life. Oh. But uh, she knew that I loved her and uh, that love was good. And I think 
I think she, like a lot of other LDS people, figure that as long as you're not out there doing real atrocious things, sooner or later you'll turn around and come back. So that hope is always there. Yeah, I'm sure family prays for that, that, uh, that you'll they come do. back. I, am, uh, I have children now that are in the church yeah. and that are devout wow. and don't want to talk about it. No, they just don't want to. And I just pray for them yeah. and uh, make suggestions to them, but wow. beyond that I cannot. How did you make this transition to Christianity then or to, to Christ? To. I always did have a belief in a God. Yeah. I never was an atheist. I felt that I needed to find the truth because I sure didn't have it where I was at. Yeah. So I started uh, by attending uh, the Main Street Church in Brigham City. Okay. Uh, I didn't attend there on a regular basis, but I went long enough to get a feel for what a Christian church was like. Well, how was that different than your LDS Vastly different. Uh, Vastly different. I was was really, quite frankly, uneasy uh, for a while. With the music, you mean? Or with the, the music, or? with the with the style of the worship. Yeah. Uh, well, it's so foreign to us, foreign. isn't it? Yeah. All of that is foreign to yeah. somebody who's been in the LDS church for so many years. Yeah. Where everything is just, regardless of where you go, the church meeting is identical. Wow, so. yeah. Then a wonderful neighbor of mine uh, introduced me to the Aldersgate United Methodist Church up in Brigham City. Uh, I started going there, and again, I felt out of place, uneasy, uneasy. but I was accepted. Uh, The the members were very, very welcoming, very non-judgmental, and the uh, the way the meetings were held were very non-structured. Uh, they were not an organized sure, religion that in that sense. That, yeah. And uh, over time, I felt right at home. Wow. And I, now I am very involved with them. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, You're doing a prison I ministry, I teach a right Sunday now. school class uh, there. I play guitar in the worship service. Uh, I serve uh, as a uh, team member at the uh, Box Elder County Jail uh, where we uh, go and and teach messages uh, a couple times a a month. Let me ask you, we're actually, believe it or not, running out of time. I wanted to know how you felt about Jesus as an LDS and and how different he is now to you. As an LDS person, Jesus Christ was nothing more than a, a helper to get to the celestial kingdom. I was required to do all of my own works. Wow. Continually. So he just unfailing. Was, yeah. And then, lo and behold, if I didn't accomplish everything, Jesus Christ would do the rest. Yeah. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my God. I have full faith that he 
and He alone Isn't that is a my path. Joyful message. It is a wonderful, wonderful message. Yeah. It's the true message. It's the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He who died on the cross, the work is done. It is finished, isn't it? <laughs> I am in Christ and Christ is in me. Yeah. I guess the Bible's taken on a little different significance now too. I love reading the Bible. I read the Bible almost on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, and I understand an awful lot of what I'm reading. When I was a Mormon, I used the Bible only when it was part of the lesson curriculum. Just a few little scriptures here and there. Huh? A little scripture here and there. Always, most generally, always out of context. Yeah. And now, of course, I read those scriptures and I understand the true meaning of them wow. instead of the corrupted meaning of them. Well, Wayne, there's just a little bit of time left, believe it or not. What would you tell the Latter-day Saints? I know you've shared a, a testimony or a story here, but uh, what would you say to them? It would be my humble prayer that they would shed their pride, that they would read the New Testament as a child oh, and let the Spirit guide them, that they will understand that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. He is our Savior. He is the only way that we will be saved. Wow, great. And grace and works, you don't have to work for your salvation now? We are saved by grace. Now, do you do good works, though? Works. Sounds like you're doing some good things. When you are saved, you are full of love. You are driven. You can't help yourself. Yeah. You have to work. Yeah. You, but you do it out of love. You're doing it because you're, you're so thankful that you're saved. Yeah. And that love that God has for you and you have for Him, you just look for things to do. Yeah. I am constantly looking for things to do. Don't we feel to blessed do. to have our eyes open and see things in a different way? Oh, like a load of bricks taken off your shoulders. Yeah. My really. yoke is easy. My burden is light. Well, Wayne, very, thank very you true. so much for coming and sharing your story. It's a, it's a wonderful story, and I know there are a lot of people investigating the church, and, and I hope that they will take the time to not just listen to the missionaries, but search things out. Anyway, thanks for joining us tonight, and as I say, you're following the gospel of Joseph Smith. Think about that. Not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good night. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an Ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music